Hi everyone, Editor Matt here. Just with a little editor's note before we get into the episode. The audio for this week's episode had some technical difficulties and so there is some imbalance in the volume as well as some background noise. I tried to remove as much of it as possible but due to those technical difficulties I couldn't get all of it but I did get most of it. You can absolutely hear the guests and the hosts but there are just those little quirks and I wanted to give a heads up at the top of the show. But enough about that. Please enjoy this week's episode of The Game Informer Show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Game Informer Show a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host today, Alex Van Aken, and I am joined by Marcus Stewart. How are you doing, Marcus? I am wonderful today. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's going to be a great episode, Marcus, because we are joined by... Wesley LeBlanc, the once and future informer, the news hound himself. How you doing, Wes? Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here again. Definitely not recording this episode on a day where I've recorded a different one. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, uh, definitely am not confused about which episode number that is. This is. Uh, we are rounded out today by a very special guest, another former informer. This one, the indie informer. Jill Groats, welcome everyone. back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Woo. It's really nice to see everybody's lovely, shining faces. It's great to see you, Jill. Uh, how are things? I mean, you, you've you launched a website since we last talked. Yeah, I did. And that's uh, going really well, actually. I'm very, very happy with it. Um, I Okay, so I'll, I'll go back and kind of explain my thinking. Um, okay. About yeah. this because obviously I left Game Informer and I just kind of took a summer vacation. <laughs> Not gonna lie. That's great. Not That's a amazing. great time. Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah. And I, every when I left, everybody was so lovely and uh, supportive and dropping in inboxes and DMs and, and messages in general, just saying like, you know, come come here, there's an opportunity here, or, you know, just in general, just being lovely. Um, but I didn't like really know what I wanted to do at that point and how I wanted to continue. Um, so I did a lot of soul searching and uh, kind of in couple with the myriad of layoffs through the media space, uh, sort of as I was figuring things out, I decided I didn't want at the, like for now, I don't want to go back to a big outlet um, and have that kind of cloud hanging over me of like, am I gonna wake up and my job's gone? Or uh, just all the kind of like sort of red tape that comes along with having that big name. So mm -hmm. I decided to uh, cut out on my own and go indie myself. And I started uh, the Indie Informer, which uh, the name for obviously comes from Van Aken here, who was lovely enough to come up with that and 
I think my second to last uh, podcast here. I think so. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's entitled to something. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Royalties. We already talked out about a 37 we split. We're good. Did did we? I thought it was 46. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. It was 2080 or something. Mm, um, okay. But yeah, so I, I named it that not only because um, it's a fantastic name, exactly what I wanted to do, and it says pretty much all of it in the title, but it does speak to my roots here at Game Informer and how much I still love all of what you're doing and all of you guys and the people who helped come up with that name and who helped come up with sort of me as a writer and cover of video games. Uh, So I wanted to pay homage to that. Uh, And so I'm really happy to be back being able to talk about it and share everything with you guys and hopefully everyone's excited and uh if you're if you want to see some indie stuff i've got a lot of cool things that are going up on the site you do i uh, just for to to point people will of course link to the website and the show notes but it's the dash indie dash in dash former.com the indian former uh dash is where you would typically space that out Mm -hmm. and an extra one uh, in between uh, Informer. But uh, we'll, we'll for sure link it in the show notes and, um, and all that. But I, this is, Jill, I have, I have, I, I kid you not, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt. I have just like stayed tuned to this website like throughout the week, uh, since you, throughout the weeks really, since mm-hmm. you launched it. And it's been really cool to see you kind of do your own thing. And I feel like it feels like an extension of what you were doing here, but also, you are kind of getting the chance to dive deeper um, yeah. and kind of without the need for, oh, well, you need to go and edit the magazine, Joe. It's like, <laughs> well, you can just like focus on, um, on being a tastemaker. It is yeah. really- but Can you still edit the magazine, actually? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking with Miller about some part-time activities. Um, no, <laughs> not really. That, that, was, that would be horrendous. But um, good luck to you guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Former employees saying- no, I Game actually always did rings. like editing the magazine because <laughs> you got to see what was coming and be really familiar with what was. And then it was very bizarre having my magazine come, the God of War one. It was the mm-hmm. first one that I had not been involved in behind the scenes. So reading everything and seeing everything, I'm like, oh, cool, this. And not having <laughs> any idea what was going to be in there. Um, it was an interesting experience and it was a really cool experience. But um, as far as the Indian former goes with all of that, um it is obviously i tried to sneak in indie coverage whenever i could at game informer but uh big outlets uh of all kind of brands have to keep in mind the bigger titles and Mm -hmm. like readership and viewership and numbers that go along with that so there was always a certain amount of like i would like to cover this small game but it, it it's made by a person you've never heard of and it's not going to grab a whole lot of viewers but it's really got this cool like thing about it um and um, and sometimes i got to and that was amazing but sometimes you know i'd have to turn back and be like sorry i i can't cover it because i have to be covering you know assassin's creed or you know whatever the big thing is right now so this website really gives me the opportunity to find something 
be if I'm interested in it just cover it and cover it however I want to cover it when I cover it whenever like I don't have to be like looking down the barrel of like embargo dates uh you know I don't have to be the first person to have that information out there I can just be like hey this is a thing and people might like it and I liked it and I, I hope you do too and just share it and and help kind of indie developers get the word out that what wouldn't necessarily have as much coverage yeah. um, and and you know I'm not taking um any kind of funding like I'm I'm not crowdfunding it in any way so I'm not on Patreon or anything like that so it really is I don't have to worry about like viewership or um, clicks kind of driving my review uh my uh revenue stream yeah so i don't have to go after the things that are going to get the biggest clicks i do get to just kind of you know it's sort of a dream i get to just like share the things i like um, yeah that's awesome yeah and that's really you, the goal you put a lot of cool games because uh like Ben and i've kept my eye on it too and it, you know reading either games that I was aware of and excited about but giving your takes on them or stuff that like I was less like aware of like Floodland is one mm -hmm. that I heard by name but like leave your thing if you want to check it out Dumb Raccoons like, yes. get out of here with those that, that's that's really what got me yeah <laughs> yeah and there is a certain amount of like ridiculousness I can put into articles now because Game Informer you have to have a certain level of like formality when you're writing <laughs> but when i'm writing these i can just be like y'all raccoons suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never knew the side of you yeah no they're they're evil oh i saw two last night they seem like sweet that's there that was the decoy who knows what the other raccoons were doing mm. oh it's like velociraptor it's not the one you see it's the one you didn't know that yeah i went to school in sort of a mountainous hilly region and the raccoons were notorious uh around there for uh attacking people and one time great story someone actually like was trying to throw away their uh, trash a raccoon was in the bin jumped out ran them ran after them and they hid in the laundry room like trying to oh keep the door closed i'm like picturing the raccoon like hitting the <laughs> but they're trying to <laughs> like, that strong yes. the door. yeah basically <laughs> my father-in-law grew up with a pet raccoon dangerous yeah dangerous it was arrested by the police one time for being a peeping tom <laughs> i swear That's this so all hilarious. sounds like a movie okay but you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him. I thought that was a joke. No. I thought that was like a punchline. I, no, like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to work it out. Like, what's the pun there? I'm like, no, no. Like, Tom sometimes. Yeah. Or? The raccoon literally got taken in it. They knew it was the pet raccoon of my father-in-law. And so they didn't like take it to animal control. But they did like lock it up some way until he could come and get it. Because I guess a lady called in saying there's a peeping Tom outside. And it was the raccoon. Was so <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, this is the story that I, I absolutely told. believe. Whether it. it's factual or not, you know, it could be like one of those, you know, fishing stories. Yeah, um, and I think did indeed have a raccoon. And the moral of what the story. What was the raccoon's name? Oh yeah, what was that raccoon's oh, name? I, I don't know. I don't know. Find it. Let me. I'll text Kayla and I'll see if maybe during the show. <laughs> <laughs> 
What was your dad's raccoon's name? I like how you're attacking no context. Just right now. I need to know this from uh-huh. right now. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, we were interrupting you. No, no, no. Uh, moral of the story is uh, you should play Bloodland. Yeah, I just wish listening to it while we were talking. I'm also really looking forward to, uh, to Dredge. Yeah. Um, is that coming this year? Or no, that's that next year. year? That's next okay. year sometime. But uh, demo was up. I think that it is now gone. Um, it is this really, like, it looks like it's going to be a charming little kind of fishing game, uh, a la maybe like Moonglow Bay, if you've played yeah. that. But it kind of, it starts out and it is, it's got this very ominous tone and it's kind of hard to put your finger on exactly why it doesn't feel great like the the beginning cinematic is obviously not like you i mean spoilers for the very beginning like you shipwreck so you know things aren't going well but during the game when you're like checking out the town and like making friends is not really the right word introducing yourself to everybody making acquaintances uh going out and fishing and collecting it and all the fish come out in little like tetra shapes that you have to fit into a limited inventory and you come back and you're like trying to pay off some debt and it it seems like it it should all be really like nice and and lovely but there's just something off about everything that's just Mm. gets under your skin a little bit you're like what's going on and you are warned very early on to like not go out after dark why why not so i totally did um and you get like a little panic uh meter and it seems that the the longer you are out or you get more and more panicked your mind starts to more and more play tricks on you and you start to maybe encounter things that may or may not be there so there's an element of like psychological Screwy. Try to use another word, but I, I used a kinda different like one a, just for you. Kind of like amnesia a little bit. I mean, yeah. Like, there's a little bit of, like, uh, it's very Lovecraftian in the sense of, mm. like, there are things going on and you can't be sure whether or not they're actually happening or not. And I'm very, very excited to see where this goes. Yeah. that That's all. That's a very good description of the game. Me, I just looked at the screenshot uh, on Steam with the giant um, fish with a red eye and gnashing yeah. teeth, and I was like, "Yep, looks like a looks like a scary game." <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it will be a good game. With yeah, it'll probably be a good game for anyone who wants to kind of get into the spooky vibes, but not like they don't want to be like full on like amnesia or GT or something. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I mean, all that to say, you've been very busy over at the Indie Informer website. I haven't. Um, of course, people can, if they want to follow you, they can follow you at Finruin, F-I-N-R-U-I-N. And you've got the links to IndieInformer.com all in your profile. Great way to find it. Everybody go and bookmark it. Go back to it daily because it is... Uh, I feel like you almost have something up every day. Maybe. Oh, I have something up every day. I've got... Yeah. Uh, when this publishes i i'm gonna have my first review up so. oh i don't know if i can say what it is but if you've been watching the site you might have a hint as to what it could be okay well i think i know 
<laughs> Go check that out. In the meantime, we did bring Jill on today to talk about the best indie games of 2022. No, this is not going to be every indie game that has come out in the year. This is more so our personal favorites that we've had the time to play. Uh, and of course, the year is not over. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, parentheses so far. Uh, mm-hmm. We're also going to be talking with Wes about uh, his time playing Scorn. Uh, and then Marcus and I are going to talk about Signalis, which is quickly becoming a a, a very uh, cool game in my catalog and one that I really want to jump back into. Like, I put that game down to come record this. It's very cool. Another indie game. It, it It's wild. But we're going to get into it. We are recording this. Uh, I guess this, I guess I'm not in Tokyo yet, but uh, it's gonna be more of an abbreviated episode. But yes, I guess. <laughs> I'm unsure. No, like when this it's comes out, I will be tell. on a plane. <laughs> like, Let me check out, out the window real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be I fine be in Tokyo. Anywhere. So we got a lot to cram in here. Shorter episode. Same with next week. We, we pre-recorded it, but we got a lot of good uh, embargoes coming up, and we had a lot to talk about for next week's episode as well. But this week's episode, all about the indie games. I, I think we just kind of more casually approach this subject. You know, we can we can talk about some of our favorites. I know Jill's probably going to talk about Tunic. Wes probably is going to talk about Citizen Sleeper. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of games out there. We've been playing a lot of them uh, throughout the year. And, yeah, I mean, I guess I will, just to kind of, so we can establish the vibe, I, I can start uh, and, and kind of go through uh, one of my big favorites from the year, um, Stray. If you haven't played Stray yet, that is, and, and also real quick to clarify, we're not really too concerned about, well, what's an indie game? It's published by Annapurna Interactive. I think I told the crew before this, if a game was conceived or started development as an independent title and then, you know, got picked up elsewhere, we're not really too concerned about the, the details of when they were acquired, who's publishing them, all that. If it, you know, Jill had a good quote earlier before the show started. It's kind of like art, like if it if it looks like an indie game or it feels like an indie game, you kind of just you kind of feel it, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the vibe we're going yeah, for. You know so, it when you see it. yeah, exactly. But yes, uh, Stray is um, one of my favorite games of the year. It is, I think, right now sitting behind Elden Ring, uh, number two on my top ten for the year. Um, I really, really like that game a lot. I think uh, it definitely has has some issues, but number one, I'm a cat owner mm-hmm. and. Uh, it just meant that like the story moments that probably wouldn't hit for other people hit hard for me uh, just because, you know, um, I'm a cat lover and just it's a good a good primer for getting into that game. Right. And yeah. and even I feel like I have a heart of rock, like a heart of steel when it comes to other things. But the second you're playing as a cat, it's like the minor, most minor inconvenience, you know, brings a tear to my eye. But yeah, I really love Stray. I think. It also has one of the best endings of 2022, in my opinion. I know some people didn't really hit for them, but the reason I like it so much is it kind of gets out of its own way and uh, respects that players are going to, like, figure things out. And, um, and yeah, I don't know. That, that game is just really, really cool. Uh, have y'all, y'all played? I know, Marcus, you beat it, right? Wes, you beat yep. it? Yep. Jill, have you played Stray? Absolutely. Loved it. I think you're... Yeah. I think I noticed that thread that you were talking about of like if anyone's a cat owner who played this game they liked it like exponentially more because they're like 
oh, you put on a little jacket and he fell over because that's what would happen. I actually got, I got in the mail the other day, I was sent the, the stray oh, backpack to put on it? my cats. Oh, what? Yes, I'm gonna, I haven't put it on them yet. I'm gonna film it. And I don't know if it'll fit on Wilson. It'll fit on Hazel just because Wilson's massive, but we'll see. But I'm excited to, to film them in that. So shout out to, to Annapurna for sending that over. So Stray is my first one. We'll just kind of go. Jill, do you want to pick it up uh, from there? What's one of your, your favorites? I mean, you called it out. I mean, Tunic is 100% like my game of the year this year. It has not been unseated. I don't think it's going to be. It is so fantastic. If you have, you've heard me talk about this before everybody was able to guess my number one. Um, but it really is a game that's like, you have those games that you wish that you could erase your mind and replay again. Tunic is sort of that opportunity with like anything you played as, as a child. You know, you don't know exactly what to do or where you're going or how it all works together. So you have this sense of like discovery and wonder that you don't get a lot, especially for someone like me who plays a lot of games. You tend to see like, okay, I see where this is going or mm -hmm. I get exactly what I'm going to do here. So without needing a huge surprise twist, which they do have some really cool unexpected beats that happen in the game, the whole time of playing the game is just kind of new feeling. It's like that, you know, being a kid and being excited and not knowing what's going on and, and wanting to go to your friends and talk about it on the playground. Like, did you see this thing that did that thing? Oh my gosh, I didn't even know yeah. that thing existed. We did have a really fun moment when me and Alex Stadnik, and I can't remember who else was on that. Uh, we're talking to the developer, Andrew Schuldice. I was there. There, Marcus. We talked about discovering that area where you could change your fox's color. And Marcus, you'd found it right away. I'd only found it during New Game Plus. And then as of that recording, Stadnik had no idea it existed. So it's just one of those really good example of the way the game works where you really might not find all of it. And by talking with people around you, you might discover more things that you didn't even know you didn't even know existed. So uh, if you have not tried tuning, please, please do, because it's so fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, I think I was also I'd recommend the other day I've been listening to Game Maker's Notebook. Different from the YouTube channel, not Game Maker's Toolkit. The Game Maker's Notebook is the podcast, the interview podcast from the American. Academy. Yeah, America Academy, American whatever interactive arts and sciences place. <laughs> that that AIGS or whatever uh, they put out um, a podcast called Yeah Game Maker's Notebook, and it's I know Ted Price hosted a lot of the episodes. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, the other some other episodes are. Hosted by others, I think Robin Hunnicky, awesome of them. Some. Awesome Winery, yeah. And, you know, they interview, it's like developers interviewing other developers. And it's really good. So I listened, the first episode I listened to was actually the Andrew Schuldice episode uh, on Tunic. So mm -hmm. go listen to our episode and then go listen to that one. I think they're both like really cool. So, uh, Marcus, we'll just go down the, the line here. Uh, yeah. So, Norco is yeah. one of my picks uh it's currently my third favorite game of the year it was number two for a long time behind Elden Ring. um but yeah this is a 
point and click narrative adventure game dropped early like what like march or something like that early in a year mm-hmm. yeah it's a, uh, sort of a southern gothic sci-fi tale set in, in norco louisiana real city and the idea is that you're this uh, woman named Kay who comes home because your mother has passed away and you kind of stumble upon a big sort of mystery that she was investigating before she died. And you pretty much just kind of pick up the pieces and, and try to figure out what she had stumbled upon. Just the, this weird sort of secret that she found in this town. And what I love about this game is that it blends sort of like the, uh, you know, like the, the gritty like southern vibe of louisiana with uh like sci-fi stuff because you know there's like robots and mm-hmm. like artificial intelligence but it's not like it's not a sci-fi game like it's just got like sci-fi elements sprinkled over what you could assume as like modern day mm-hmm. like just current day louisiana i don't want to go too deep into like the, the story stuff but i will say that it's one of i've my- heard it's bonkers yeah. It is ap- it's probably one of the wildest stories of the year, if not the wildest. Like it goes some bizarre places and like every time some like big revelation happened and you wonder like, are they doing what I think they're gonna do here? And then they go there and you're like, Oh, okay, <laughs> we're doing this. This is uh wow, okay. Um, but like in a good way. I think that the uh the actual point and click adventure stuff is pretty well done. It's not like the most challenging game the world but it's also like what i appreciate is that it's not like obtuse you know i think that genre has a reputation of like being frustrating to like i got these inventory items they want me to combine them in a way that you wouldn't think to do it this game makes sense <laughs> at all yeah. times so you know it's pretty hard to get stuck um but yeah the uh the narrative is what pulled me through it i think the character pool uh one of my favorite characters of the years in this game uh maybe Actually, not even maybe. The funniest thing I've seen in any video game is in this game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. In terms of like one of the, I think one of the best moments of the year is this moment. And I can't wait till we get to go to discussions and maybe we can talk about it more in detail. Um, yeah. I, I downloaded this on my Steam Deck today before this conversation. And I, it's like I could complete it on the trip to Tokyo, couldn't I? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not, it's like, eight like six to eight hours if i remember correctly like you should yeah you should got an 11 hour flight so yeah is it only 11 hours to tokyo uh plus three i've got two legs but yeah yeah from sf it's 11 hours (laughs) yeah it's about what i did too but yeah it's uh i think it's fantastic it is i can't remember if it it's coming to other consoles like it, it they announced it was coming to uh because it's only been on PC, but it's coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and I believe Switch as well. Uh, I think it's either already there or it's coming. It is it not. It's coming because I just checked. Okay. What was the date? October 20th. Okay. So uh, soon then, you know, so if you, you know, I probably would play this on PC just because of the point and click stuff. But hey, if you don't want to do that, you've got every other option available, but don't sleep on this. <laughs> I think it's a great game. And like I said, it's my, my number three so far of the year. Awesome. Uh, Wes, how about you? Yeah, as you mentioned at the top of the show, um, Citizen Sleeper is my favorite indie of the year so far. If it wasn't for Elden Ring, it would 100% be my game of the year so far. I've talked about it a bunch on the show, and you can read my like full review on the site. I gave it a 9 out of 10, but it's like the perfect mix of a good cyberpunk story, which I think, when told well, are really well. Um, I really love the idea behind the game, which is like, 
you know, how much of your body is yours when a corporation essentially owns it and decides what you can do with your body. And it's a really cool, fascinating um, story element that plays directly into the game's mechanics. It's a very different kind of game. I've never played anything like it. Uh, I don't even like know what to call it. It's like a narrative adventure game with a strange uh, dice rolling mechanic. It's one of those games where like when people ask about it, I'm just like, play for an hour and see how you feel. Um, if you like beautiful neon visuals like myself, if you want one of the best video game scores of the year, um, and if you want a story that you can shift and mold into your own in a very affecting way, um, then Citizen Sleeper is a game you should check out. They've also been putting out, uh, I think, two DLCs, post-launch DLCs that are free, and I have a third one on the way. Um, I'm waiting for all three to be out so I can kind of just play it in one go. Um, but yeah, I, it's not my style of game at all, like on paper. Uh, it's not a Wesley game, and I played it in two sessions. It's like an eight-hour game, and I just could not put it down. Really, really great in, in every way. Uh, like on, I have a few qualms with it, but like I probably could have given it a 10 if I was like prepared to, to make the fight, but nine, 10, whatever, fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, because I love that game too, it's in my top 10. I would say if you're to try to get the closest comparison to what this is, it's basically if you enjoy maybe tabletop role-playing, it's yeah. the closest mm-hmm. analog, because it is like you're rolling dice to determine whether or not you can do actions like you're presented like all the conversations are dice driven mm-hmm. every action is dice driven so like if you like D or anything like that i think citizen sleeper is worth a look yeah and if you do check it out like on today's recommendation like give it a full solid hour if you play it in those first 20 minutes you're going to be really stressed and it's a lot of information and it's confusing but like when it clicks you're going to be like oh yeah i'm in i'm in awesome uh, well, I'll go next. A game I haven't spent nearly as much time as I want to with, but I think this is going to be a smaller game that people, some people maybe haven't heard of before, um, but I really like. It's called Please Fix the Road. It's like a, a minimalistic puzzle game, uh, and you are kind of shifting tiles on a map around to fix a road. And um, think of them almost like um, like Lego Brick Tales or... Captain Toad, like these dioramas, you know, these 3D dioramas that you're looking at and you're kind of just like sorting and placing pieces of a road around to get like like trucks from a, trucks to a factory, right? And so you're figuring out, okay, I have limited pieces to play and I need to get them here. There's some water here they need to cross and that kind of stuff. It's very casual, but it's like really peaceful and, and just like really a pretty decent puzzle game. Uh, and I've really enjoyed it. You can kind of pick up um, certain pieces of the map and just like shift them around and like rotate them. And it, it, it's a lot of fun. I think there's like over 150 puzzles in the game. There's a hint system if you if you need it. It's just it's a really cool game. Have you have any of you played this game yet? I have not. I've hadn't even heard of it. Yeah. Where did you play it? Like where does it available? Uh, Steam. Steam. Created by Ariel Drakowski. Uh, this is their first Steam release. It looks like. They've got uh, 69 followers on Steam, nice. Uh, and about 1,500 on Twitter. So pretty small developer. I think they're from Poland. Yeah, it's it's really neat. I definitely recommend it. I think it's also Steam Deck verified. So check out. Please fix the road. I have uh, not sunk nearly enough time, so I can't, you know, give you a proper review or anything. But 
it's a really cool game that I personally am looking forward to playing more of. Uh, I actually also downloaded that to my Steam Deck for my Tokyo trip. My, my Tokyo trip is just turning into Alex catching up on all the cool indie games he missed. Uh, to be, oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, you go ahead, Mark. I was going to say real quick to shout out Brian Shade. If he was here, I bet he would probably shout out Mini Motorways. Yeah. Kind of a that is one of my favorites as well. Similar concept. Yeah. Um, so I guess on behalf of him. <laughs> <laughs> that game, um, I got through a lot of hospital days with my dad because of that game. Just uh, I would, when I was in Virginia when he first got hospitalized, I would just go, I'd bring my Switch, and I'd play Mini Motorways. And he couldn't talk to me, so I'd just sit there and, and play that game it was it was funny because i'd look out the window and he's like you know sitting his his hospitals over top of the interstate so i'd be watching like cars pass by as i'm directing traffic in many motorways it's a very therapeutic experience and also just like a, a good a well-designed game i think you can also play it on apple arcade and yeah that game is really cool i like it all. it's hard too like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to progress really far i always lose but very easy to pick up and if you like city builders or just puzzle games in general, it's it's even like it's almost like I don't want to scare people off by calling it a city builder. It is like a city builder in the simplest of terms. It is more so like a um, kind of a puzzle game where you're building the map up as you go. That is also on my top ten list uh, right now, number seven on my list. I didn't number yeah. my list. I don't know. I have I use the GG app. We should really get a sponsorship yeah. from them. Yeah. I shout, I've talked about them so much on the show. It's a good website. Um it is, yeah, yeah. And I just kind of use that to track what I've it's kind of like um what's the what's the movie? Letterboxd. Letterboxd. yeah, Letterboxd. Can never remember it. Um it's like that for games. If you have it and you want to follow me, I'm at it's Van Aken on the app. I'm always looking to to follow more people to see what, what people are playing. Yeah. In real life. Exactly. <laughs> Just follow them around. Yeah. Word. Well, uh, who who wants to go next? I'll go since you shouted me out before someone rudely interrupted. Yeah, for real. What's up, <laughs> Brian Shea? Yeah, Brian Shea. If you want your stuff on here, you come on to the podcast. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So I'll go with another one that it is sort of an obvious one for the year, but one we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Cult of the Lamb. Is an absolutely fantastic game. It is the the central idea is you play as the lamb, very cute, uh, and you're sacrificed to the old gods. But uh, sort of immediately afterwards, uh, another mysterious entity halts your death and brings you back to life in order to build up it, the worship of that entity, and you start building a cult like you do. It Casually. is, yeah. It is such a fantastic combination of just adorable, like character models and charming world, but also just this really screwed up idea and things that keep getting worse and worse. Because, like, as you gain more power, power corrupts. You start uh, kind of fleecing your flock for things. Sometimes, murder. yeah, murder, <laughs> like ritualistic sacrifice of various kinds. Uh, you can steal money from them early on, and it's as steal, it was a tithe. Yeah, it's a tithe. Yeah, definitely not shaking them down. They wanted to give it to me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it is sort of a mix between a sort of um, Animal Crossing esque. You sort of build up a little 
cult's village and manage how happy everybody is and you're making them food and you're making nice little decorative sculptures and mm -hmm. uh dealing with people who start dissenting and throw them in jail or kill them but then the other kind of section of this is you do have to go off and kill the the gods that tried to sacrifice you so you're running through a roguelike light like kind of dungeons four different ones with kind of all different feelings and vibes and getting to the end and killing off the god and getting a lot of things you can bring back to help you with your cult and managing and feeding everybody and making everyone happy so it's got this really satisfying kind of gameplay loop and it's got a lot for a lot of different types of players uh, and it's just visually absolutely gorgeous um, so every time like every second you're playing, you're just sort of glued to the screen. I would play mm -hmm. this and look up and it'd be like five hours later and I had no idea where the time had gone. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like pick some berries because I need to make food really fast. And then something would happen that would be like, okay, I did that, but but now like there's descent. So I have to do a ritual to make people happy and then I can go. And it just keeps going and going like that and you can never stop. They're so needy. Yeah. And, and weird you know you've got it's such a weird humor to it too where you've got like that one there's always that one follower who comes up it's like hey i've always wanted to eat poop it's like no dead <laughs> it's got a real like what was uh happy tree friends yeah like it's got that vibe to it i finished it about a week ago and i also really like it a lot i think i like the it's funny because when I went into it, I was like really big into combat more than things. I think the actual like hack and slash feels really good. But then as I got into it, I actually started to like the sim, the sim aspect more and more where I was spending a, more and more time at the camp and then getting it, you know, to the point where it was running like a well-oiled machine, which I don't know what that says about me that I can run a hole really well. <laughs> but I think it's kind of like, a, it, it's like two very different styles of gameplay, but they, they marry together. Really well awesome uh west do you have another uh, or who's yes. next who wants to go next sorry oh we'll be out of order uh, i mean west can go uh let's see is this is this our last round or are we gonna do another because i'm trying to figure out we can do that. i'm not i'm not too concerned we can do another we'll do probably about five ten more minutes okay um then the next game i'm gonna shout out is like right under citizen sleeper for me at that number two spot but it's number three and that is a game I recently reviewed called Metal Hellsinger, um, oh, yeah. which is uh, a Doom FPS, basically. But you shoot and fire and reload and dash and jump and do everything to the beat of an insanely good metal track um, performed by like some of the genres, like best uh, vocalists, musicians and stuff. But yeah, it's just like it's 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 the perfect length. Uh, every level is a different song. And they mastered the cadence of metal and mixing it with Doom gameplay as you build up a, a meter. So like your goal is to get to 16 times and you do that by hitting shots on beat or reloading on beat or dashing on beat without missing a beat or without getting off time. And at two times, you start to hear a little bit of the music. And then at four times, more of the music comes in. And then as you make it up to 16 times, that's when the vocals come in and you're finally hearing the full song. And it's just incredibly hype. It's, it's, I mean, it's that simple. Like it's a Doom, but you shoot to the beat of music. And if Doom is your style 
of game or if metal is something you enjoy like this is an absolute must play um, well, so I, you describing an fps as it's a doom is like when <laughs> <laughs> Because like, like playing his PlayStation in there. <laughs> I mean, it's like to go a little more into specifics. You're also in hell, and you're fighting hordes of demons, and you're you're nah, basically we got it. It's a doom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a doom. It's a doom. It's um, but yeah, I mean, there's not much more to it. It's it's a doom. Play it. <laughs> Perfect. Marcus, take it away. Uh, I'm gonna go with a game that I reviewed recently, and that's Tiny Cat. Yay. Uh, which is a game that I absolutely adore. It is basically Pikmin. If it was a 3D platformer, you play as a little astronaut who's like the size of like a quarter and you explore this just plain old house. So it's the, you know, it's got the little person in the big world vibe and every room is sort of its own self-contained like open platforming playground. And you solve all these platforming puzzles and environmental stuff with these little creatures called tiny kin and like pikmin they come in different varieties there's like pink ones that can move stuff there's blue ones that carry electric currents to you know corresponding outlets there's yellow ones that stack together to form ramps and it is just an absolutely delightful game uh for one it plays really well you know like throwing the tiny can around and just aim and just sort of flick them and it feels real good to just kind of like stack them up or do whatever you're doing just like regular pikmin i like that they can perform jobs on their own so mm-hmm. if you need like to carry an object across the room you're like all right here 20 of you guys go do that and they'll just go about that business they, they know where to go and you can keep exploring and having fun and it's got a very like old school like collect-a-thon vibe of like oh there's like all these like pollen there's like a thousand in this room that i get all of them i get to upgrade like my hover jump and they're everywhere (laughs) so like every every nook and granny you're gonna like oh there's more here i'm gonna find these and it's just so satisfying and it's just a really just it's just a well-made game the way the environmental puzzles are laid out the way the level design is laid out because it's like it feels like a lived-in space without making the paths or the obstacles feel deliberately laid out if that makes sense it's like no i could believe that the room was arranged this way and it's just it's it's just so good i ran through it in like three sittings it's not Dang. like a super long game it's like six hours maybe but yeah it was like i think it was like the perfect thing that i needed at that time like something like that and yeah it's definitely one that i really hope people don't sleep on it's on game pass which helps, but yeah, give it a shot. If you're if you're a Pikmin fan and you want like a cool spin on that formula, give it a shot. But even if you've never played Pikmin, I think it's worth playing if you're just a platformer fan. And visually too, it's just really interesting and like endearing to sort of play as well. Like got like the house itself is done in like kind of more traditional 3D graphics, and the characters are like a 2D hand drawn. So yeah, the combination like Paper Mario style. Yeah, the combination is is fantastic. Uh, my last one is going to be Rollerdrome. That game, I've slept on that game. I just haven't had time to play the full release, but I played the heck out of the uh, the build I had, uh, the preview build I had, which was like six levels. It was, it was a long, I had a lot of access to the game. But yeah, that game, that is a game that is really high on my list to finish this year, just because 
it is um it's tony hawk's pro skater plus guns yeah um you are skating around roller derby style a, a futuristic uh dystopian you're part of a, like a, a dystopian sports show where like competitors are uh fighting you know robots and military people as part of this big competition that's put on by this um this big corporation that's just kind of a wanting to distract and entertain people from uh, the grim reality of their life. And so it's a blood sport. You are competing against other people. And yeah, the whole gameplay loop is what if to reload your guns in this game, you had to perform tricks and what if, you know, to beat, it's just like one big loop, you know, shoot things, uh, reload and to reload, you need to do tricks and uh, you need to, do tricks to you know dodge weapons from other enemies and you need to use certain guns to take out certain enemies it's 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 really cool it's simple but it's effective it's simple in the terms of like you can pick up the idea and you understand it right but it's it's a lot of fun to actually like sit down and try to master it gets tough because i've yeah yeah i've picked it up in earnest uh the past week i'm on i'm on the last tier of stages uh, and yeah, like I, like once you get a handle on the controls, like I, it really starts to like, like I love that game and there'll be games uh, nice where I'm just thinking about it. Like, yeah. oh man, I, if I did this differently, I might be able to pass. Cause, and it's also triggered that, like that need to look cool at all times mm-hmm. that I only feel with like either Tony Hawk or uh, stylish action stuff like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta. I get really mad when my score isn't like what I think it should be. And it's like, you know, you can't just ride around and shoot people. Like, you've got to do, like, 900s while, like, shooting rocket launchers and then chaining a shotgun blast. And that's the only way to play this game. So you got to look awesome at everything. And it also has bullet time, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, too. Uh, yeah, I think the stages were laid out really well. That game that game rocks. I feel like that's another one that, might, that people are going to sleep on. Yeah. Yeah. Some There's also bosses, like, bigger fights in that game that are just really cool to to see play out that like if in another just the way that they merge skateboarding and like a third person action shooter they just do it in really cool ways so yeah go play that game roller drone uh jill give me one more okay um one more i'm actually going to talk about one that came i think it came out today hold on let me get yeah, so it's out today, and Embargo just went up, and you should check out my full review on the site. But I want to talk about the case of the Golden Idol. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is this the one you were referencing earlier? Yeah. Did you get it? I knew it. I love I knew it. it. Yeah. I uh, played this game originally as a part of uh, Steam Next Best, and I had it, my eye on it, but I hadn't actually got to put hands on it until then. And it is like so good i'm enjoying it so much the basic premise here is that it you sort of play the role as a detective and you are going through various cases of murder different murders that have happened and you're trying to figure out how the murder happened and who killed them and and so on and so forth but there is a an interesting connection between all of them that doesn't seem originally to be there Oh, and it's so good. It it go it starts out as like a small sort of altercation between two people and it sort of snowballs as your cases get bigger and bigger. They like 
physically get bigger because you have more spaces, more people, more mm. clues to kind of look around. But it also gets bigger on a metaphorical sense because you go from two people to a family now is having problems to a big group is now having problems to you're on the world political stage and it's all connected to this one thing that you are looking at is the case of the golden idol and it is so if you've ever played something like the return of the Oberdin, it's got sort of those visuals and it's got sort of that vibe but it is a lot more accessible i think because Oberdin, a lot of the times i just felt dumb i'm like why do i not understand what's happening for this one it is you go around clicking different clues and kind of looking through scraps of paper or like maybe someone's got a weapon on them or different possessions that people might have or, or the way things are laid out in the room and you can go around clicking things and you click on different words that you find so if you've got like a piece of paper you might find someone's name and you click on that and then those words collect down at the bottom in a little square and then when you're in the sort of solving phase of everything you then have a hypothesis that is just little blanks it's somewhat filled out but it's got blanks in it and you take the words that you got and you put it into your hypothesis and if you got it right the game tells you and kind of explains a little bit about what has happened during the scene um and it just has a fantastic way of making you feel really smart while also not being frustrating which is a very hard mix to hit and the fact that they're able to do this over and over and over again throughout this entire game is wild um they do have a hint system i only used it once the biggest help here is that you can toggle on and off a like highlight system so if you're not finding the clues you can hit highlight and the clues will sparkle so that you can click them you don't get dinged for guessing wrong you just keep guessing until you can actually figure out what the hypothesis is and it just goes to more wilder and wilder places and the things that you put together you're like oh wow i saw that and now i feel like sherlock holmes doing the whole like you know this thing wasn't <laughs> here before and it rained the last tuesday so you know and it's all sort of things like that but you don't ever have to have like a notebook or anything to be keeping notes because the game itself will keep that stuff for you and have visual clues and and help so anything that you'd want to take notes for are going to be things that the game is helping you with the, the filled out part of the hypothesis. So it's all just really fantastic, like really fantastically developed. And like, I can't imagine how smart you'd have to be to come up with all of this and then figure out how to tell people like me how to figure it out without telling them how to figure it out. Um, <laughs> so it really is, if you're interested in like detective games, if you're interested in like puzzle games, if you're interested in just like kind of a weird sort of bizarre, good for Halloween-y type game, like definitely check this out. Mm, sounds good. I was looking it up while you were talking and first and foremost, the art style terrifies me. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really like there's something off about it. It's a kind of low poly, lo-fi, uh, pixel-y sort of thing that for some reason is more unsettling than like just realistic 
naturalistic graphics would be. Everyone's heads look like, remember the old, like, those singing raisins from <laughs> yeah. like the 80s? <laughs> you remember those guys? Yeah. <laughs> in my, so, uh, in my demo preview, I called the first guy, like, a McDonald's mascot from hell or something like that. Like, oh, it God. is sort of terrifying. I played the, the demo for it. I think it was the same thing as the Steam Next Fest, but I played it a few weeks before. And yeah, it's like one of those games that I wish I really had the time to play right now because it the demo was so impressive. It was a I played the demo and I immediately had my wife come over and I was like, play through this because she loves like detective stuff like that. And we loved playing Oberdin together. It's it's really good. It's yeah. very special. And go read Jill's review. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on. We have a few minutes left. I want to talk about Scorn real quick, Wes. Yeah. Wait, I didn't get to say my fourth game. Say it real fast. What is it, Marcus? Say it real quick. I was going to say Neon White. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's on mine, too. Yeah. It's, my, like number back... two. it's my number two of the year. So by default, since Elden Ring is number one, I guess it's my favorite indie of the year. So, at least for now. <laughs> it, it's very high up. I go back and forth on that and Stray. That game is so good. And another game that has really interesting boss fights for what it is. Well, cool. Well, Wes, real quick, is Scorn worth worth our time? Is Scorn how how is Are we Scorn? 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 Yeah, yeah. Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um so I have not beaten the game. I'm about six to eight hours in. I want to go back and finish it, but I don't have any like assignment to do so. So just on my own time. And right now is a busy season. I don't really like it too much um so correct me if i'm wrong but like this game was marketed as anything but a puzzle game right like this had vibes of like a shooter or something like that at least it did for me yeah Yeah. it had like horror or something yeah it was like because they have they showed so little of this game that first reveal was like a mood setting piece where you just saw wet hr geiger stuff Ooh, and then there was that like so lengthy gameplay trailer that didn't really it was not commentary it was just like here's a slice of the game and it was just a dude walking slowly through mazes with guns and touching more wet things but i think looking at it if, again maybe this is our fault I, I don't know who to blame is it our fault or their fault for maybe misrepresenting it but you think like oh like dude maybe not as fast paced yeah. or maybe like a or survival horror maybe or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that yeah something yeah it is a straight up puzzle game it has some combat but the combat is not great and it is extremely obtuse there's no ui there's no hints there has not been a single word uttered it mm. is environmental puzzles i guess you could say but not like particularly fun ones for me. So it's one of those games where they, I, I, I was looking up, looking into some things, you know, marketing around the game and they like were touting how grotesque and like realistic and like fleshy everything is. Fleshy. And their idea of the game was like, everything you do is represented by a real world like action. Like if you pull a lever, you watch your character's hand slowly pull a lever back. And it's very realistic in that way, but it's to a T. And I think they might have focused like a little too much on making everything feel organic and diegetic because it's super slow and solving puzzles where you have to like, for example, pull a lever and see if that was the right way. 
but pulling the lever takes 10 seconds. It gets like, it's, yeah, it gets annoying. It's just like, I want to solve this puzzle and now I'm watching this animation again. It's a very beautiful animation and it's well done and the art style is great, but like, I'm tired of watching 10 seconds of this weird fleshy hand pull lever. Someone. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Squishy flesh lever. It's not realism. Yeah. And then there's also, there's combat, but the gun is like not a gun that fires bullets. It has like a rod inside. And when you pull the trigger, it shoots a rod out that comes back into the gun. And it doesn't ever really connect with the enemy. You're just kind of shooting at, I aim at their head and like the enemy kind of bounces back real slowly. And then you can fire again in a few seconds after the gun's like ready to fire again. Extremely slow combat, not forgiving. And it's not very, not accurate. It's not the right not the right word, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's connecting correctly. And yeah, just my six to eight hours overall have just been like slow and boring, but I'm nothing's happened. I'm just <laughs> solving these puzzles in this weird flesh palace. And I want to see what is happening. I want to go to the flesh palace. Yeah. Like you said there's no <laughs> like dialogue or, or anything like what I'm trying to like, there was like a cutscene that kind of reminded me of the medium where like I'm in this green, very uh, like a very green and, and black like flesh palace. And then sometimes the cutscene. Can cut we stop flesh show. palace right now? Can we veto that? That's my favorite Persona 5 dungeon. Uh. <laughs> um, and then it like sometimes it'll show like the same area you're in, but it's like red and kind of looks like Marsy in a way. And then the only other thing that's happened is I have like a parasite inside of me that sometimes just like alien style burst from my stomach and I fall over. But then you just get up and you keep walking. And I'm right. like, I don't even know why that's happening. What happens to the parasite? It just like runs away? No, it just like opens you up. It goes back in. Yeah. It's just like saying hi. Like, are you at that now. final puzzle yet? Jeez. I have no, that I don't know. should be the hit system. Like it pops down. It's like, hey, maybe you hey, try you pulling that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want, like, I don't know. I don't really know who it's for. If you like flesh palaces or puzzles, maybe give it a go. But I don't think it's particularly great at anything other than making on-screen wet flesh look good. Cool tech demo. Yeah, and I think I've capped out on my uses of the word F-L-E-S-H. So It's wild because this game was, an, if I remember correctly, this was announced at the showcase reveal for the Xbox Series X, right? It was like yeah, the it was first a Series X games we ever saw. Mm-hmm. So cool tech demo is kind of accurate. I'm like, look at how we can render flesh, flesh yeah. palaces now. Playing it, I've kind of, I kind of get why Xbox maybe slowed down on marketing it so much because I've not seen <laughs> much else about the game. Yeah, it's hmm. I haven't installed right now. I have not started it. I'm not enthused, but I'm also just it's just something fascinating about everything you've just said. Yeah. Okay. If you're watching this, we have a NGT up now. If this is Friday, is this Thursday or Friday? Uh, this is probably going to go up on Friday. Good. Um, yeah, if it's the 14th, you can go watch an NGT of it and you'll see uh, the Flesh Palace I'm referring to. The lever pulling. Oh, so wet. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> wet levers. Um, <laughs> Signalis. Let's talk about Signalis. I, this game, I have played 30 minutes of this game. I did not know this game existed until a week ago. And then I was instantly intrigued. It is a resident, old, like Resident Evil 2 style survival horror game um, where like the, the cameras change as you, or is that RE1? Is that I RE2? mean, both. 
both. Yeah, both. It's an old survival horror inspired by old survival horror games. Uh, and you are playing. I'm not really sure who I am. I'm maybe an android. Uh, there's. It's. It's a very uh, mystery filled story. But you kind of crash land on this planet, and you are part of like a a space crew that is out like gathering resources for humanity. You are a, a seemingly part of this like fascist state this fascist nation it's like everything for the cause of the country you know and it's, it's real messed up stuff that you're dealing with um, but it's all rendered it's like a mixture of pixel art and a mixture of like 3d graphics that are uh, rendering uh like pixel like there are 3d moments it is clearly like 3d objects in the game but they have adjusted the camera uh to render out in a like pixelated style and then there there's also like 2d pixel graphics and it's kind of switching between these camera styles so uh think about like going from room to room like it's a traditional like you know you're looking down at the characters they're walking through this space and you might enter like a control room and suddenly it's first person and you are inputting like you're solving puzzles or like grabbing items like you would in a resident a survival horror game right and you can like rotate them and stuff like that. And so for those moments, it's like these are clearly 3D objects, but the camera is still making it all look like it's part of the same world, right? Because everything is pixelated. Um, and it's just an incredibly stylish game. I think that's what really intrigued me. At, at, at you know, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this game has an identity. I haven't even played it yet. And I can just see uh, how, how, uh, sure of itself it is how weird it is and it's it seems like um you are I, th- I think the creators are based in germany uh, and a lot of the game is sort of in like characters in the game speak german but you know you're seeing subtitles and all of that but there's also like other symbols i'm not sure it sort of looks like japanese but there's like flashes of other it's a game that likes to flash imagery at you like dreamlike and like it, it's a weird game but it's freaking cool so far marcus i'm gonna let you talk you played it at, at tokyo game show right you might have more insight into do you have any more insight into the creation of this game or who's making it i kind of just booted it up on a whim and was like this is really cool um uh, not really i mean i know just that playism is the publisher cgs I was aware of this game for a bit. I'd, I'd seen it floating around, and I believe it popped up at like a Nintendo Direct or a State of Play, one of the two, uh, for Tokyo Game Show, and that's what really put it on my radar. Uh, so when I saw it at TGS, I was like, oh, I'm going to play that. Yeah, I played about the same length, about in the first 30 minutes or so, uh, finished the demo there. And yeah, I'm with you, where I, I'm a survival horror fan. I, I like the sort of old school vibe it's going for, but also stripping out, at least from when I played, the annoyances of those old games. Um, you know, it, it doesn't feel clunky to play. Uh, and I, you know, I like the the nostalgia of like going for like the sort of like PS1, like early 3D era graphics. It, it's got a, it's got a look. Uh, but yeah, the, the puzzles that I played made sense. It, on one hand, it's what you would expect from survival horror of like, okay, find a key card, all right, find a panel, it's got a code, find out how they hit this code in this room and whatever clever way there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it seems to be done well, and like you know, I, I need to play more to see how they evolve it. But like I didn't want to stop playing. 
when I was uh, playing the demo, and that's always a great sign, right? Of like, oh yeah, if you left me alone and if this was longer, I'd I'd keep going. How does it um, work as a horror game, given that it's like kind of isometric or two D or whatever you want to call it? Like, like is it scary? I didn't think so, but like this is also the beginning, and I don't know. I I have gotten further than Marcus did in the demo, and the the scariness definitely picks up um it starts becoming like very foreboding and like really leaning to that like the psychological tension that comes with survival horror games um yeah a lot of it early on is just like the visual setup and the cues that you as a player are used to feeling when you're in that sort of world uh because i played this for like exactly one minute and i'm like yep ps1 kind of horror-y kind of sci-fi-y uh definitely gonna be on people's you know playlist and i'm out so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i yeah i i wonder how that picks up yeah it's more from when i play more of a mood than anything like the monsters themselves it's like okay it's like a polygonal weird like abstract looking creature you know that doesn't scare me personally especially when you get a gun you just blow that thing down um but yeah, I, I hearing you say that it gets like weirder, creepier later on, Alex, uh, excites me. I want to see what they, I want to see how can they make that style scary. Yeah, and to clarify, I'm looking at, I'm thinking more about the game and looking at screenshots as I talk. I think the pixel art is for the the cutscenes are pixel art. Mm-hmm. Everything else is 3D, but like that isometric PS1 look. But again, it all looks like pixel art but it's like there's a lot of depth to the world and a lot of there's a lot of stuff to see and and move around it's a it's just a weird very again stylish game it's got a very strong art direction whether or not you like that art direction is one thing i happen to really enjoy that look um and i want to throw out there too that like full-on 2d pixel games can be real scary like i just played through a demo of after dream and I'm like, I don't know why I did this to myself because now I need to know <laughs> what happens and I'm freaked out. So, good. yeah, it That's might be something for you to check out. Check it out on my website. Sounds like you're ready for Visage now. No. <laughs> it does that thing, though, with the camera because there's like a camera mechanic where you have to do the flash in order to like see in the room. I hate that so much. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying that game. I will have more thoughts on that coming soon. I am definitely going to be keep playing that game. It is I'm just really thinking about it right now. I just want to be playing that game. Uh, and I'm not even like a huge horror guy, but it just is doing what it does so well. And I do like the older, you know, fixed camera sort of uh, survival horror games. I, I always think those are fun. Uh, well, let's kind of start winding the show down. We're starting to get, I know Marcus and, and Wes, it's it's past working hours for them, so I want to get us out of here. But uh, we got a couple questions from listeners. But beforehand, we just want to say thank you for listening to the show. Of course, you can go and leave us a podcast review if you'd like. Um, that really helps us out and gives people kind of a reference for whether or not they should listen to our show. Uh, this week's podcast review comes from Forrest Ramibi, uh, or Forrest Ramibi. They say, the GI crew is one of the most consistent and gaming news. I always count on them for accurate reporting. Their podcast serves as an extension of this, while also giving us a very chill show, relaxed atmosphere that's perfect for background listening. 
The show gives insight into the personalities of various writers and editors, all of whom bring a balanced, well-rounded take to the proverbial table. Forrest, thank you so much for that nice review. That is a very well-written review, very nice review. Uh, thank you for, for leaving that. If you're out there, you want to leave us another review, please leave an honest review. Of course, we like them to be positive, but at the end of the day, I don't want you to just uh, go and leave a, a five-star review just because I'm asking for reviews. You know, if you have feedback or, or uh, tips for how we can improve the show, uh, it's a great place to, to leave them there. You can also email us, podcast at gameinformer.com with that stuff as well. Uh, so let's get to some listener questions real quick. Uh, if you want to be part of the show, you can email us, podcast at gameinformer.com with your questions or if you want to send in a, a game, those are fun too, uh, as well as um, you, know, you can go to our Discord, uh, which you get access to by subscribing to us on Twitch. Uh, let's go. It's a Mama Luigi asks. <laughs> I played a few levels of Forgive Me Father recently. Any other recent retro-style FPS games that you would recommend? It's not a shooter, but the artwork on Forgive Me Father looks so much like Darkest Dungeon. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, let me look. I think another like, uh, maybe modern option even though it, it's uh the the recent wolfenstein games because even though those are yeah. like modern releases those are very old school design like they're still finding health packs instead of uh you know auto healing uh it's tough as nails especially the second one um so yeah I, if you're a wolfenstein fan i like you really don't get first person shooters quite like that anymore yeah yeah you, uh one of my favorite FPSs in recent years, and it's a weird, cool genre mashup game. It's called Void Bastards. Yeah, yeah. I love that game. Yeah, play Void Bastards if you haven't. That game is really neat. I like that one a lot. Is Proteus the game you're thinking of? September 23rd yes. is when it came yes, out. Yes, Proteus. Oh yeah. I haven't played it, but I've heard like really, really good things about it. Proteus with a D, right? Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah, because Proteus with a T is. Uh, I think like a nature game or something. Um, <laughs> That's a good shooter too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, humble games publishing pro DS. Yeah. That's when I've had my eye on it again. And you're like, Oh, I had time to yeah. check this out. <laughs> yeah. Jill, go review that one. That okay. One we, need, we need to know. I'll shoot all the birds, get back to you. And then people will be like, no, the one with the D. Yeah. <laughs> wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Proteus. Go check that game out. I, I've heard good things, and I just wish listed it myself. Um, it's it's looks very cool. All right, let's move on to the next question. Troidal Power asks, "Who is the best Lil guy of 2022 so far?" What does that mean? Like a small guy, like yeah, little, little character, little little, little, little protagonist. So like literally, uh, like like tunics. The, yeah, the it's like tunics, little when, when you see it, you know it. Yeah, he's pretty. The guy from Tiny Gen, he's like literally yeah, he's a little, little guy. guy. It's not yet, but still planned release in 2022 is Lil Gator Game, and it's literally oh, a Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's a little or, guy. The cat from Stray, assuming it's a guy. Mm-hmm, he's a little mm-hmm. guy. Um, <laughs> after after a suggestion, you have to say, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. Okay. <laughs> you, have to, you have to qualify, yes. Who's <laughs> Small Fry? Small Fry from Splatoon 3. He's your little salmon buddy. Oh, and yeah. His Splatoon oh, fandom yeah. page okay. <laughs> says, Little Buddy, also simply known as Small Fry, is a new character in Splatoon 3. And I did not know that. I don't know where Little Buddy came from. It's Small Fry the game. But maybe the community <laughs> has 
co-opted little buddy, but that's a little buddy, little guy. Okay. Any any character from Grounded? Oh uh, yeah, all, all they're guys. all small. I like hoops. I think hoops is the best. Of the... <laughs> I just like to say the name hoops. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know who's uh, the worst little guy? Who's the worst little guy? There are those little like imps from Elden Ring. Those little stuff. Oh, I hate those the little guys. Yeah, yeah. Those are the worst. Yeah. The inverse I, of this question. They suck. They never stop them. sucking, no matter how strong you get. I yeah. hate them so much. Zach Pluggy asks, you and Alex and former Alex are the main event at next year's WWE SummerSlam. Let's go. You did it. I need to know your ring gear, promos, entrance theme. If you have an entourage or stable walking out with you, your finishing move, and why it'll be why it'll be you raising your hand in victory while the former not as saucy Alex lays down in a haze after you beat him with two trash can lids. So this is that's, you versus Stadnik? Yeah. I guess so. If that's like too it. much to answer, then what game has surprised you the most this year? <laughs> well, I think that first one is the one we want. Yeah. I <laughs> want right. to hear that All right. rundown. Uh, what's what's ring gear, Marcus? Is that just like, like your outfit? Clothes? A little oh. you wear floaties. Your attire. Um, I'm going to wear... Wilson. Yep, Wilson. <laughs> Are you like a boots and trunks guy? Are you a long tights? Or are you doing something? Like I'm um I'm a flashy clothes? raincoat, um with a trucker hat on, with the hood over the trucker hat. Some nice a nice pair of denim jeans. It'd be nice if it was like the stretchy kind, you know, so I can be a little more nimble. Yeah, right. must have. Um, and then like a nice fresh polished pair of Clarks. Is that kind of gimmick? Are you like a trucker? Is that like your character or like like a blue collar guy? No, it's just like a fashion, you know, like it doesn't have to be a trucker hat. Maybe a dad hat. I just want to look nice if I'm in the ring, you know, like <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of eyes are on me. I just kind of want to like have my, my stuff together, you know, it's like part of your walking out is you're on the runway. You do. Yeah, exactly. Blue steel. I mean, you're coming down a ramp. I mean, I don't want to be a fashionista or anything. I just want to look nice, you know, presentable, like. Like I'm walking into a job interview, right? But a casual, like this is casual. Like I take myself seriously, but I'm here to have fun. You know what yeah, I mean? This combat sport. This, yeah. This scripted combat sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what's a what's a promos? Uh, like when you you're on the mic, you're talking to people. Like, what are you gonna say? Like, if, if they have I'm weird names for I'm stuff. like, hey, you're facing Alex Stadnik tonight. What do you what do you have to say? You know? Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna beat him real hard. You might want to rephrase. Yeah, that. you might want to. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna beat his butt. Yeah, real hard. Go. I was gonna say this is your chance to show your charisma. This is how Dwayne the Rock Johnson made his name. I'll look to the crowd. Got and... a catchphrase? Are you aching for some bad aching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, okay, yeah. that's a good. That's, that's a good. Premium. I've, I've heard. I've heard worse than that in real life. So I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then they would go nuts. They go wild. Oh, yeah. Naturally, yeah. My entrance theme is Olivia Rodrigo. Driver's license, I think. And we'd all okay. just like, we'd all just Sad vibe. boy vibes. Yeah, yeah, sad boy vibes. <laughs> there would be tears shed in the audience. Um, who's my entourage? I guess y'all would be my entourage. Yeah, if we're like a faction. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, what's a stable? Like a stable of people? It's the, a faction and a stable is the same thing. Okay, okay. Interchangeable. Are y'all down to like fight on my behalf? Like... You down yeah, to I guess me? you're the. Yeah. I guess you'd be the villain in this because usually stables are a bad guy thing. What if it's just like supportive friends? I mean, there have been good guy stables, but 
almost like nine times out of ten, it's a villain because the idea is like, oh, you have a stable because you're gonna you're gonna cheat and use the numbers to gang up on us. Oh no, I just want y'all to watch. Yeah, no, we're just here to like tell you you're Support gonna him. do it. Okay, you know, you've yeah. got this. Yeah. Don't give up. We can like uh, throw you the chair or the ladder when you need it. See, yeah, maybe just like oh, oh. <laughs> oh. well, maybe just like there's no rules in this match. If it's no disqualification, then it's for them to you know. You know, y'all are just there to be like, good job. Do we have a faction mm. name? Most factions have names. You got the NWO, you got D Generation X, AXI. Uh, AXI? Yeah. What's that stand for? I don't know, but it sounds cool, right? Okay. Okay. True. We'll figure it out later. You yeah. come up with yeah. it. It's, you, it sounds <laughs> yeah. cool, and then you fill in the AXI. We can make it yeah. like an Emperor's New Clothes situation where everyone thinks that they know what it means, but no one does. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like CM Perfect. Punk. People will like start like like thinking about it, like speculating on Reddit. We'll find the best answer and just be like, yeah, it means this. That's what CM Punk did for years. <laughs> <laughs> My finishing move. Ooh, it had to be some sort of like choke out. Nice like rear naked choke, maybe or yeah. What what's one where I I get behind them and I put my arm around their neck and just like yeah, just straight like up sleeper, like a sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> just choke him. I mean, show him a picture. Plenty of choke. Okay, I got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna raise my leg up and kick them in the chest, and they're gonna fall back against the rope. I'm gonna I'm gonna come to meet them when they bounce off the rope. The inside of my elbow is gonna be waiting for their neck, and I'm gonna scoop them up and put them in a sleeper. So Static's Static's probably gonna die. He's probably gonna die. That sounds. Oh, I forgot I'm fighting Static. You're gonna be reaching pretty high to get. Chance. Yeah, I forgot about that. Recreate the like a child, like a koala. Hey, I'll, I'll do what I need to do. Recreate the Minneapolis skyline and get him weepy. <laughs> yeah, I'll be seeing stars. Um, and yeah, I think that's I think that's my answers. Watch out, Stadnik. I'm coming for you. Uh, last question. This is for Jill, it seems like. Elijah asks, what does she think edutainment games need to do to evolve and stay current like they were in the 90s? They were a lot of fun in the 90s. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the time because you didn't have a lot. Like when I was a child, you could play the games that were coming out that year, you know? So you really didn't have a lot of choice. What do they do? I, you just make them be games and like slide the education in. Don't try to like make mm. it just ham-fisted like I am an education game. Yeah. And that would probably work. Just make good games. Is that is that good advice? Just yeah, make that's, good games? That's a- that's a good answer. Assassin's <laughs> Creed does really cool stuff. Their discovery yes, tours are always really cool. Question. I know in um, schools in my area, back when I worked at a local newspaper, I did a story on a coding class. It was like an elective, and um, it was all done in Minecraft. I, I, I don't, I've never never gotten that good at Minecraft, where you start to do the electronics and build calculators and all that kind of stuff in the game. But like, they did everything in Minecraft, and I thought that was really cool. You reminded me of something, Wes. One Dreamer. Have you heard of that game? It's the it's an indie game about making an indie game. You're like playing a burnt out developer, and well, you like <laughs> not awesome, but it sounds yeah. like a fun, an interesting premise. Not the you essentially you part. the mechanics are you are learning to code, like you're learning the basics of C sharp. Essentially, I wonder if any game like that would qualify, like something like Quadrilateral Cowboy, or like I just did a 
quick thing for uh, retro gadgets. I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for that. It got announced recently where you are literally just sitting in your uh, virtual work desk space and building uh, like Game Boys and technology of that sort. So like that probably would be a good version of this, but it's not really meant for children as far as I can tell. I wonder if they still make them. Did you guys, like, I had a computer lab class to do every day in elementary school or like a resource class is what they called it. And we had like all kinds of edutainment computer games. I was like a detective dog solving math problems. There was one where I was a turtle running the town. Good times. They still have those in schools, I wonder. I'm sure they do. They're fine. Back my day, yeah. Oregon Trail. Yeah, yo. Oh, yeah. Carmen San Diego were probably the two big ones. Oregon Trail now being made into a musical. <laughs> or like, According I remember a deadline. lot of the like typing games, games that would help you type mm. faster. Typing of the dead, does that count? Why not? Let's throw that at children, very young, <laughs> as young as possible. You want to survive these zombies? We're going to spell these words. You better hurry up. Herbal space program, I feel like you have to learn oh, yeah, in yeah. that game. Yeah, that's actually, there has to be a university using that, right? Because that used like real world like physics and stuff yeah maybe it's less about the games more about like more teachers and educators and people in the education system need to recognize when games would be good for i think yeah to your earlier point was that the discovery tour stuff in Assassin's Creed is like the biggest like like this is blatantly educational yeah <laughs> yeah example i can think of uh and I, I i think those are cool like i like touring those things uh, yeah it's nice because they add it to a game that feels and plays great. Like mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed is a fun time on the controller. So then throwing in a fun tour works flawlessly. What if you did that for Call of Duty? Like their World War game, two games or whatever. Or like, hey, you just can't shoot anyone. You're going to walk around this level. And be like, this was a real thing. Except that's the same level that you just played through and killed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the bodies are still on the ground. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, get to, you get to learn empathy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's going to do it for the show this week. Don't forget to go and follow everybody here. You can follow Jill at Finruin on Twitter. Go check out her new website, The Indian Former. And cheer for me uh, next Monday. I'm going to be on uh, Min Max's Power Trivia All-Stars against oh. the major opponent is also in this uh, podcast. Yeah, are you, I guess you're like defending champion, huh? Yeah, you I are. I, I am. Jill's coming for the crown. I'm coming for it. 22 other games media folks. I have to root against you this time, Marcus. I'm sorry. It's you got to be taken down. I no. said this on social media, but um, <laughs> you should cheer for me, but like put money on markets. <laughs> you and Jesse Vitelli are, are two trivia heads. But here's exactly. the thing. It's not just video game trivia. It's Ben Hansen video game trivia. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. the last time I played this game, he made us try to recognize a uh, arcade game by the sound it made when a quarter put it, got put in it. I'm like, I am not old enough for this category. I have no idea. Yeah, people ask me, like, did you study for last year? It's like, no, because it's Ben. Yeah. It's like, there's no way. Like, I can't predict how he's going to. Like, you just go in and just, you just hope for the best. Watch everything that Hanson's ever talked about for video games. And then you're yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, go and follow Jill, the Indian former. Go check out Min Max Trivia Tower this coming week. Uh, go follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart7. Follow Wes at 
LeBlanc, W-E-S, L-E-B-L-A-N-C, W-E-S. Uh, you can follow me at It's Van Aiken. That's going to do it for the week. Share the episode with a friend. Leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.